0: Welcome back to part two of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. We had just finished part one where we spoke about some of the trades that happened just before the draft and also uh, some of the trades that almost happened but didn't uh, before the draft. So go and listen to that if you haven't already done so. But now we're going to move on to part two where we break down the NBA draft and I wanted to sort of... Do it this way, Daz, where maybe we look at three picks each that we liked or three teams that we liked what they did and maybe look at a couple of teams, uh, even if we can't get the three each, that we didn't like uh, what they did. And we've already spoken about a couple of teams that we haven't been too enamoured by lately in the first part. But uh, start with, who, who was your big winner in the draft? Did you have a number one team that you thought did really, really well?
1: Um... I did, and I've, I've cooled on it. So I was sort of a bit on the, uh, you know, the Sacramento Kings bandwagon. And the more I thought about it, the more I sort of soured on, you know, glass knees, Harry Giles, and you know, double ACL tears, and how Justin Jackson's got a lot of holes in his game. So I like that. So I guess I'll, I'll sort of, yeah, my. They stood out, right, just because of perhaps how reviled, you know, poor Vlada has been. Um, maybe they stood out for the fact that they, they, for the things they didn't do and some of the actions they took, right? So um, what they didn't do was fucking panic. They didn't panic and freak out and worry that would Phoenix, you know, take De'Aaron Fox or would um, would Boston do... You know, they, I don't think Boston was going to, right? But I they didn't freak out and move to number three and get fleeced by Danny Ainge, right, moving hmm. down. So they what they didn't do was they didn't get freaked out, right? So I'm glad that Vlade, you know, I think they took his phone. You know, on the iPhone, they had that little clicker on the side that <laughs> turns the ringer off. I think they turned it off. They didn't tell him. And I put on some cartoons that he watched, you know, probably some maybe Russian... Russian cartoons or something crazy. Probably a bear chasing a girl in the forest and Vladi was giggling watching cartoons while, you know while one, two, three, and four were on the board and then his man was there. So he didn't freak out. He didn't do anything crazy, which was a which was a win. Right he didn't yeah. freak out. Stayed there and got his guy. Um, then he traded down, right, which I thought was really interesting. Like I thought they would have been perfectly suited, right, to take another top ten picks. They traded number ten to Portland and mm. got what fifteen and twenty, I believe, out That's of right, it. Was yeah. turned, turned into Jackson and to Giles. So look, I like I like the I guess the, the in a way the ballsiness of it. They must not have loved if they wanted someone at ten they didn't
0: Well I look, I've mean, heard both sides of the arguments. I've heard people that say Great move. Kings were the winners of the draft. They've done really well. And then I've heard the other side of it, which was, oh well, we, you had the number ten pick. You should have just picked Malik Monk or you know that words to that effect. But my sort of thinking even at the time was, well, why? I don't see why they're going to pick Malik Monk when they've already got Buddy Hill, I mean, to me, there's a bit of overlap there between those two players. Um, and if and, and they need assets at the moment, you know, they've, they don't own their 2019 pick, which we've spoken about quite a bit. They're obviously going to be now, now, the, the rumours after this are they're going to be active in free agency. So they, they don't want to have a year where they're the worst team in the NBA and look to next year's draft and then rebuild. Uh, they're thinking about trying to win now, and that's not even necessarily making a plus, but it's sort of building towards something and surrounding this nice young core that they've got with some veterans. So I think they wanted to build a young core now, they swung for the fences with Harry Giles. Look, this was the guy that was a top five rally prospect heading into the college season. Uh, obviously had some injury worries, didn't play that well even when he was on the court. Uh, so he he fell way down draft boards. He didn't even attend the draft. Um, so the, the thinking was he would go way down and maybe had Sacramento not picked there. Um that would have been the case. So they sort of swung for the fence with that. I think what I understand about Justin Jackson, that's a guy that you sort of know what you're getting. I don't think there's going to be a massive amount of upside with him, but he's going to be a good, competent uh, player in the NBA. Darren Fox, I said last week, I wasn't overly enamoured by his game, but um, I see what, what why they went for him. And again, um, there's sort of two sides, but he could, could be Alfred Payton, he could be John Wall. Um, and we're not quite sure whereabouts he's going to fit. Maybe he falls somewhere in between those two as he develops in the NBA. So I'll, I'll give them a, a pass mark. I, th- I think they they did really well. I didn't have a problem with moving from the number ten to the fifteen to twenty pick. I think it, it, I think it's very overrated. This oh number ten pick so much better than the number fifteen pick. I think if you back your organisation, you back your ability to develop players. Um, outside of the top five pick to say, go you know, six to 15, 16, there's probably not going to be a lot of difference in terms well, of the players and in the one-and-done era.
1: And that's why I felt like they actually must have had a steady hand at the wheel. That's why I think Vlade must have had, you know, been in the passenger seat because at that point in the draft, it was a pretty universally understood top 13, top 14. Top 13 were going to be pretty clear, right, at, at Donovan Mitchell. And Mm. then it was going to get a little bit questionable. So they were faced with one of two things. One, which is to trade down, which they did. Number two, take a player at a redundant position based on value. So at this point in the draft is Malik Monk, Luke Kinnar, Donovan Mitchell, and a whole bunch of big guys, all kind of graded in that between 10 and 20, right? So they don't need any more big guys. They don't need a Zach Collins. They don't need a TJ Leaf. They don't need a... You know, um, John Collins' sort of style. They don't need that. What they need is wing players. So, say what you will about Justin Jackson. I don't know. I think he's kind of ordinary. We'll find out. But that's a it's a good gamble for them to take a guy who can shoot and plays. You know, six foot eight, and maybe can play some defense. And then to gamble on Giles was your modern version of a you know NBA big, which the you know if he gets any of his athleticism back and get some platelet-rich injections and a whole, whole bunch of Panadol um, and some cartilage in those knees, right? He's that the rangy, could-be-athletic sort of big that can you know, roam the paint and, um, and defend, and then don't underestimate, right? Number whatever they got, number 34, I think it was later on, with, with Frank Mason. Right? Yeah, I like His that dog. pick.
0: That was a really nice pick. And that, that guy, there's a guy that's been a winner throughout his college career and a really really nice backup um for De'Aaron fox
1: yeah and so i go whether it works or not it's you can you can see a clear clear draft strategy and an approach and i go you have to applaud a a franchise for having a crystal clear it's it's completely unambiguous what they were trying to accomplish in the draft and they did it north carolina duke kansas kentucky right super pedigree teams a couple of 22 23 year old on um, players to pair with a couple of young you know young athletes and they go it's hard mm-hmm. not to go at, let, execute their strategy will all four of them hit probably not but that's that's not what today's conversation is about so mm-hmm. it's hard not to applaud what they didn't do to freak out trading down getting guys at positions of scarcity and complementing it with some maturity with Frank Mason. So it's hard not to like it.
0: Here we go. We haven't gone on a tangent for about 30 seconds, so I'm going to tangent away for you for a second and ask you this question. What, What do you think about this view that Sacramento, and I think Phoenix are sort of looking at the same, going down the same path, of saying, look, we really like the young core we've got now. Enough losing. Let's get active in free agency because next year's free agency class is not is pretty underwhelming. I've sort of looked ahead, depending on how many sort of one-year contracts get signed this year. What do you think about the, the this sort of view that we like our young core, let's not go for another season of losing and look at next year's draft. Let's see if we can get active in free agency, bring some veterans in and teach these kids some right habits and how to win now. Because what you don't want is a situation like a Michael Carter-Williams where a guy comes in with some tools, shows a bit of promise, but just learns so many bad habits. And maybe Carter Williams never would have gotten it. I don't know. But I, I know what I saw in Philly, watching that team from afar, how badly some of those young guys developed because there was no veteran presence around the team. And I guess what's the balance that you need to strike to make sure you've, you've not got an overload of, of veterans taking young guys' minutes?
1: The balance you strike is you have to have a realistic view of what your team is and how they'll compete that year. And so, if you if you think your team is a forty-five <laughs> win team, then I say, yeah, great. Go get yourself an ask a uh, fifteen million dollar a year. Go pay a seventy million dollar contract and see if you can get yourself to be a fifty-win team. Sure, but these guys aren't in that in that category. So, mm. if they go the route of a veteran, um, or sorry, free agent marketplace and do a they do a, a Luol Deng or a Mozgov or a Kent Moore or a Bismack Biambo or an Evan Turner or a Joaquin Noah or an Omer Ashik or Miles Plumley or fill in the blank. They will just be the next in the long line of Gar Pax, Phil Jackson, fucking idiots. So, But if they go down the path of um, uh, Vince Carter, who has an impact on his team, on, dare I say, Jason Terry, who I was a huge skeptic, sucking minutes from young guys, and it was completely converted by midseason, and then thought, thank God, Jason Terry was on the Bucks because of what he brought to that team of defensive certainty, and he was in the spot he was always in. So those Jason Terry-type one-year deal for $3 million are they can be priceless. Those can be fantastic additions to your team, so the, the right temperament. Now getting a Matt Barnes, eh, right. He's not exactly a teaching sort of player, Hmm. you know, those sorts of guys. So they have to be smart about, you know, what's the culture they have, what's the composition of the team and what's the, what veterans type of, you know, presence do they want? Um, And that's where I guess, sure, go for it. And I think some vets, you know, like a Jared Dudley's been, he's been embracing that for, for a while. So that's the other thing. is You mentioned Phoenix, but they've got Chandler, Bledsoe, and Dudley. They've got plenty of veteran presence on the team. They just don't, you know, well, I think, unless they decide. Yeah,
0: yeah Phoenix are more fascinating to me in the sense that they, they've been included in the Paul George discussions. They were, um, I heard their name being around for Paul Zingas, which obviously Paul Zingas is not a veteran guy. So you can understand that to some extent. Um, why they are wanting to get into that, but the Paul George one was a bit more, whether they were just a third term to facilitate the deal or not, I'm not 100% sure, but it does seem like they, they're ready to add another veteran presence, which would be a bit strange, given that, as you've already said, they've got Brendan Knight there, who's already an albatross contract. Um, I'm not sure. What, what do you think Tyson Chandler is going to do? Is he going to play this year at the Suns? Well, the, the
1: Phoenix also has tons of cap room, and I think Phoenix is in a great spot because Tyson Dan was only earning 13 million, mm. right? He's earning what miles Plumley earns, right? He's not on a terrible contract, 13 million for two more years. Bledsoe would be an extremely interesting type of player for a lot of teams, right? So he's on a, he's got two years and about 30 million left, which isn't bad for a, a guy who's, you know, perfectly healthy at the moment. So they're, they're totally movable. So they're in a good spot. They've got cap space, but I go back to what I said a few pods ago is you will quickly fall into the category of blind idiot. If you think you can go from 25 wins or whatever they had to suddenly go and get yourself Blake Griffin and Kyle Lowry and suddenly think you're going to win 55 games, you won't. Your franchise is doomed. You are absolutely doomed because guess what happens? One, you're committing probably $150 million each to those two players and number two, what you've done is completely take away any development, any playing time, and any space for Dragonbender, Bender, Marquis Chris, um, and fill in the blank. So when you do that, you have to be certain you're a 45-46 win team who can, who wants to get over that 50-win range and say, you know what? We want to be a five seed or a four seed, and we're going to go for it. We're going to have fun with it. Um, that's a they're a, universe, they're a universe from that. Sacramento is a million miles from that, so was Phoenix. Denver, I'd even argue, is a long way away from that. Minnesota, however, is now right on that precipice with Jimmy mm. Butler. So Minnesota, go for it. A desperate franchise like New Orleans Pelicans, who I don't know if they have the time anymore. Their fucking clock is ticking. Mm. The Anthony Davis, you know, um you know, Grim Grim Reaper March, you know, the drums have started beating for I think he's got three years left on his deal, but that's going to feel like um, 300 years to to New Orleans, right? Yeah. They they have to push their chips in to win 40 some games. They have to. They can't sit and collect assets anymore. So there's there's enough teams like that. Dallas is in a bit of a bit of a purgatory with with kind of their roster. So oh, I think Cuban can probably always build a strong enough culture, and Carlisle's a maestro. They could probably realistically sign a, I don't know what player would fit there, but they could probably fit one in and, you know, not really suffer too much. But
0: mm.
1: but generally, to your point, it's generally uh, absolute, it's a bismack beyond beyond. Well, that's goal. what I was
0: going to say. If, if you do it wrong and you do it and you sort of go for it when you're not ready, you end up burning New Orlando Magic and every two, three years you're just resetting and going, let's try that again, and, and they seem yeah. to make the same mistake every time. So I think it's you're 100% right. If you bring in the right type of veteran presence, and even if you've got to overpay a little bit for a guy uh, to bring a guy in that's going to be a good presence around these guys, rather than the guy that's going to be like, yeah, now we're ready to win 50 games in the year and win 35, and now you're capped out. And yeah. you no man's land. So that, that's the sort of fine balance. And I, I worry for Phoenix because I I just get the sense that they're going to jump in on one of these deals and one of these contracts and think, ah, oh, we landed ourselves a big fish, and when they're not ready to do it. And I think Orlando probably felt that way when they got a Barker. They thought, yes, we're, we're ready now. Um you know, not realising that they were, they were nowhere near it and it actually hurt the development of Aaron Gordon. And, you know, you could argue Alfred Payton hasn't developed as well, maybe because of some of the same reasons. So uh, I thought that that was an interesting thing that just sort of <laughs> I thought about because yeah. it is a good question that's sort of linked to the draft um, in terms uh, that um, – and what teams are thinking of when they're building these young rosters. Um, I'm going to throw one at you now. I, I know it's a very, very obvious one to say the Philadelphia 76ers, but uh, I did like what the 76ers did in the draft. I don't know, It's easy to be a winner when you draft eight players, but um, obviously Fultz, number one, I like that trade. The more and more I've sort of looked, looked into Fultz, in recent days, a uh, guy we spoke about last week was Jonah Bolden. I was so excited when uh, he fell the 36 and the Sixers were able to take him. He's going to be bought out from Serbia, so he'll come over straight away. They took another draft and stash guy from Latvia in a pick that they got from the Orlando Magic uh, for a future first rounder, but it's heavily protected, so I'll probably end up being a second rounder. Uh, and they also got. <coughs> There was a guy, another guy from France that they selected. I'm just sort of trying to go there and there now. Um, there was, Mathias uh, yeah, yeah. he I'm not sure if he's going to come over straight away either, but uh, he's another guy that they've got big wraps on. So they've they have got a couple of good draft and stash prospects there now in the draft, as well as I think Jonah Bolton's going to be really nice for them straight away next year, and obviously getting faults. Um, with the number one pick. I'm not sure if you have anything to add to that or if there's another team that you wanted to move into that impressed you on draft day.
1: I, I didn't like Philadelphia's draft. I thought it looked like Sam hinkey was still there to get all these giant guys that are going to get drafted and stashed. I didn't I actually didn't understand it, to be honest. Um, so I, I didn't like Philly's picks beyond the obvious Markel Fultz, but um, um but that we'll see. Um, well, don't, are
0: you besmirching the name of Jonah Bolden?
1: Oh, he's got you know his nice
0: skill set. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the time is the draft and stash now, though they're having enough roster spots and they're they're going to be active in free agency. That was a sort of a a, a signal to me that they were going to be active in free agency. So I didn't mind the draft and stash. Okay. Routes. And what I've learnt, read about the players, they seem like good prospects to do that with. And you know, being a Spurs fan, I'm always a a fan of a good draft and stash.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That should be the name of your fantasy team. Just drafted staff. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, look, I, I was I was meh about the other three. Um, I thought they would have done more. What we just gave um, Sacramento a lot of credit for, and what a lot of a lot of the punditry who was ranking their sort of, you know, the um, the best picks in the second round are kind of, I guess, the new things trying to find the next Norman Powell, and Malcolm Brogdon, right? As these high floor, high character defensive oriented um, players who are intelligent play within system can contribute right away. And if they can develop enough, even a contributing skill on the offensive side, they're going to get great value from them right away. So I would have liked Philadelphia to get some, some maturity and someone with some toughness to come off the bench, get some 22, 23 year olds, a, or that'd be a Frank Mason or or Jordan bell or, you know, whomever it was, I guess I, Maybe that's my just. A, oh, I think they would
0: they would be hoping they'll get that in free agency rather than the draft.
1: Yeah. Okay. But I guess you know when you've got to pick four second rounders, that's my point. Mm. Is um is why not do that? So I didn't love it. Um, just on the on the not loving, I I don't understand. Uh, they're not quite in the same category. but I don't understand what Portland's doing. You know, trading up, you'll get, <laughs> you know, um, Zach Collins. I guess he's a nice player, um, but. You know, did you did you need a you know, sort of a, a center, you know, like Zach Collins and then following it up and um, drafting below the rim center, you know, Caleb Swanigan, who's a who's a tweener and not in the good definition of the word tweener. You know. So well, I, I don't like I don't like what Portland did to be. I honest. thought
0: why didn't Portland just get OJ OJ Ananoby? Is it Ananobi,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Look at what I, I, think <laughs> I was, understand he's injured, but the. Uh, in terms of a, a player, I mean, they shouldn't be in any rush to get a, a rookie that's going to contribute on opening night, um, and that seemed to be the type of player that would fit in what they're trying to build there from a roster point of view.
1: Yeah, look, you know, I, I, maybe I'm just not as high on Zach Collins. I think he's, you know, he's a he's a bit of an athlete, and I guess he's been he's been productive. I just, I guess, is that the sort of player you you, you need? I thought they would have gone for a. You know, why not add a why not set set Alan Crab on fire? Um you know, I shouldn't say that's a bit cruel, but Crab and Turner. Like when you got Donovan Mitchell sitting there, right, like why wouldn't you go get yourself a stud and stud athlete like Donovan Mitchell and take the chance on the upside? I go, I just didn't love you know, I'm okay if you take Zach Collins and why are you taking why are you taking following it up with um um Swanigan? you know, in the first round, then why don't you get yourself a, a shooter? Why don't you go get the a Kuzma who went right after that? Or, a, you know, um, I don't know, and a Wundu who can shoot from the kid from um, Kansas State. So, or a, a super skillsy guy like a Bolden for that matter. So I just, I didn't like it. I don't get it. I don't get why they got these kind of one dimensional bigs. Um, so I didn't get what Portland was doing.
0: <laughs> I think in Portland, it's just a roster that doesn't make a lot of sense. No, moment. it doesn't. So that that's where they're sort of in a little bit of uh, no man's land in the sense. I mean, I look at it and say, I think Justin Jackson makes more sense for them than Zach Collins. And of course they could have just stayed Pat and got Justin Jackson at 15 for that roster. But yeah. again, it depends. What, what are you thinking about Mo Harkless and Alan Crabb and these guys that they've yeah. signed the big contracts who probably Man. overachieved on one season? And then that's what I always look at with some of these guys. I think, you know, these, these guys have been in the league for four seasons and done nothing and then they have one breakout year. What are you going to believe? The breakout year where he did something that was over and above what he's done in his previous year or or in his previous years or believe um, the, the previous evidence? And I think with Alan Crabb and, and Hark or some of these other guys that they paid, they sort of overpaid on the basis of one good year. Um, in Portland, and now they their their roster is, as I said, just such a mess, and they have oh. too too many players, and that's why they that start trading away draft picks.
1: Oh, yeah, it, that's a mess. So I don't I don't like what they drafted, and I don't like who they drafted. I don't, I don't I just don't like I don't like it. I like that they moved up. I'll give them credit. I like that they moved up, right? So. Um,
0: and I guess too, it, it just wasn't a good year for draft and stash prospects because they would have loved to have seen a Saric or someone like that that they could have just said, "Look, let's yeah, just maybe. take this guy, throw him overseas for two years, um, and see, you know, and see what happens from there." Um, so that was that sort of didn't play into their hands either. Um, what about what we spoke about Orlando? What, what about what they did? That there was another. They're another team that I just sit there and scratch my head. Over some of the moves. I mean, everything I'm hearing well, about Jonathan Isaac was best player available at six, so I don't have a problem with that. Let's see how he and, and him and him, and Gordon could go well together. But they seem to then be making some moves. I mean, even the move to trade, the 25 pick. surely could they have picked up something more there? I'm not sure. What would you make what they did?
1: Yeah, I don't know. So I guess, I mean, Jonathan Isaac feels a lot like Aaron Gordon, doesn't he? He's, he's a little bit longer so maybe they can play together, but neither of them are, are shooters. So I like Isaac, but I, you know, I think it would have been a reach. But dare I say, marketing would have been a better fit for them, right? Just from a roster perspective. So I think Isaac's upside is higher than marketing, But yeah, Isaac is okay. Um, it's not a very John Hammond pick, but I guess maybe when you're picking that spot, it's maybe you don't overthink it. Mm. So I, I'm with you. I don't really love it, nor do I have a problem um, with um, uh, with Isaac. And then, uh, what did they get later? Refresh me. Um,
0: well, they traded the 25 the, pick. Yeah, so that Wundu. was a that was yeah. what they got, and but they ended up yeah picking um, in 33. It, so that was early second round.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I like again. the Wundu kid. He's a he's a three and D sort of player. He's not not exactly a marksman. I think he was about 37%, 38% from three, But and it, that's more of the uh, the John Hammond prototype, right, which is the Thon, Giannis, Brogdon, Middleton, Snell, this, you know, this long player. So he's got like a seven-foot wingspan, so very John Hammond-like uh, that pick was. But I, I just didn't quite, the next sort of, they're kind of redundant, so, again, him and Isaacs are kind of the same player. You know, Wundu's a couple inches shorter, but um, maybe they decided their backcourt is full. Maybe they like, you know, Fournier and Peyton and, and the rest of it in the backcourt.
0: Well, have they watched fl- them play?
1: Well, maybe. They've only just gotten there, so they haven't watched him up front other than obviously, well, you know, they I mean, scouting.
0: Peyton did play better towards the end, back end of last year. And, oh, those, and were
1: empty. those were empty. They were numbers.
0: empty minutes. And, yeah. I mean, once they traded away Serge Ibarka. So In the end, of Ibarka, um, the Sergio um what they got back for that was just a pittance because now they've, they traded away that yeah. pick again, which will probably turn yeah. in the second rounders. Which the again, state will buy off them for 3. 5 million or something. yeah
1: but, uh, but again, brand new brand new regime with Waltman and Hammond they've worked together for years. Um, they're gonna be uh, it's probably going to be quite a steadying force they're on five year contracts. So it's probably more about what they again what they didn't do was lose their minds and do something stupid. So they're they're gonna be steady hands. they'll have a very clear blueprint and They'll execute a blueprint, right? Whether it works or not, we'll be seen, But it's a, I think if you're an Orlando fan, um, you're probably pretty, uh, probably optimistic after years of striking out in the draft. Maybe there's room for optimism that you're going to get a steadying sort of front office for a change. So.
0: Yeah, I think they'll just like to see Aaron Gordon given a proper run. That that starting a power forward and. Um or small forward, wherever, just pick a position for him and, and, and let him go. Uh, what What's your view on Aaron Gordon, power forward or small forward?
1: Oh, he, he should never play the three. I think we've talked, <coughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I think he's playing, power forward. I think that was a, I mean, a, your threes have to shoot. And they have to. That's the one skill he doesn't have. So putting him next to Abaka and, and Bismack or Vucevic was um uh, Vucevic? Vukovic? Yeah, Vucevic. 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 Vooch, yeah, it was a, it was a f- fucking disaster. Yeah. I mean, just, a, just, an, just an insult. Just one of the most misplaced players in the league. Putting Gordon at a three, I even think he's a, he's like Draymond, you know, death lineup. He's with the right cast. Is your, he's a really good small ball five, right? Your energy yeah. beast, bruiser in the lane. You know, he's a, he for me is a nice small ball five. That's why I thought him next to like a markinen you know, at the four. So I kind of, you know, maybe Isaacs says is, again, Isaacs probably has a higher ceiling than a Markenen, but I just felt that might have been a really nice thing to play with when, with the size of Markenen, you know, next to, um, next to Gordon playing some small ball lineups. But, uh, um, yeah, well, I, Gordon should never see the wing full stop. Hmm. No.
0: Another guy I liked after the fact. I listened to the the Verticals' uh, long podcast today, where they sort of it was their live draft coverage, and they put it into a podcast. and um I like the Luke Kennard pick to the Detroit Pistons. Um, This is a guy who shot 50% from three running off screens. Um, Obviously, the comp that they come up with is J.J. Reddick and J.J. Reddick, who made his name in Stan Van Gundy's system. So I think Stan Van Gundy sees a bit of J.J. Reddick in Luke Kennard as well. Obviously, comps don't always work out in terms of the NBA, but I just thought in terms of what Detroit are trying to build, the sort of team that they want to have I really like that pick for them uh, at 12 mm.
1: <laughs> yeah look it's an interesting one right if you're thinking Canard versus Mitchell so I thought that was a yeah that, had, that couldn't have been an easy choice right um, so um, I guess they're taking the pure shooter and um, seeing if he can sit next, play next to um, Reggie huh
0: well, if Reggie can get it, yeah, Reggie can get it together. Um, that'd be the thinking. So, and and sort of that inside out system that they're they're still committed to, well, so long as Andre Drummond's on the roster. Um, yeah, good They point. just want that that spot up shooter there. So, yeah, that's a good point. And, and Donovan Mitchell. Look, um, I like that to Utah. I mean, I did I didn't like the Denver Nuggets draft at all. Um, I'm not a big Trey Lyles guy, though. Trey Lyles only had the one year in the NBA, so maybe we're we're being a bit quick to judge um, on him, but they traded uh, okay. Trey Lyles. Uh, they got Trey Lyles, I should say, for the 13th pick, uh, and they also gave the 24th yeah, yeah, 24th pick to Utah. But Donovan Mitchell, last really good player available. Like that move for Utah to just move in and and in in what we sort of said, 13 was definitely the cutoff at Mitchell of the really good players that we felt there were in the draft of the great experts that we are at the NBA draft um <laughs> it was nice of nice to see um the Utah Jazz move in and make that move and this is a guy that can that can fit in for them um straight away
1: yeah with or without Hayward I think that was a nice pick mm. um yeah he'll play he's yeah. a great athlete um crazy long arms he's 6'3 with a 6'10 wingspan so it's a um, he'll be fun on defense, right? So, man, that could be the best defensive team in the league if they can bring back George Hill. Man, they'd be, they'll be they be fun. So I love it for Utah. Really nice fit for them, for mm. sure.
0: That's right. Um, and just quickly, another player we mentioned from last with an Australian connection was Terrence Ferguson. He went to OKC. Um, love it. Loved it. Look, he played with a ball-dominant point guard in Adelaide last year. Didn't touch the ball a heck of a lot, but played really strong defense. Um, most of the shots he took were through his Apparently, he's been killing it in the workouts over there. Um, but projects as a really nice three and D guy, and with some offensive upside. So, really like that pick for OKC. And uh, yeah, playing the professional league last year, he could come in and play a bit more, a few more minutes than what maybe people are projecting um, right from the start next year.
1: Great fit, great loc, great place for him to play. I agree. High energy, high up, high tempo, sort of style, um, sort of suits his athleticism. He's only nineteen, just turned nineteen, right? So, um, really like that. Great Sam Presti pick. Again, guy who didn't freak out, let the draft come to him. Didn't move one way or another. Didn't didn't draft some junk player like Jared Allen or some one dimensional Tyler Lighten. He took it, you know. Ferguson at that point in the draft has as high a ceiling as maybe anyone not named Ananobi, right? So I, I love it. That was I'm glad you mentioned. It. I forgot about it. That's a great. That's a great pick. I really well, it's like another
0: that. pick too. And we spoke about this last week. At that stage of the draft, look at someone and say, "Give me someone that does something really well, even if it's one really good skill." Okay. Yeah. And then we'll de- look at developing the rest of the Rather than these guys are the hodgepodge of, oh, well, he's athletic and he may be able to do this and he needs to improve in 10 different areas and doesn't really do anything at an elite level other than jump out of the gym. Uh, so that's why I like that pick. He's a guy that can play defence. He's played defence against grown men, albeit in Australia, lower level than the, than the um, NBA and arguable about where it would rank against college. But... This is a guy that can play like defence and certainly projects that way. Uh, and then you can sort of teach him how to sit there and, in the corner and watch Russell Westbrook dribble the ball around for 24 seconds each possession. So, yep. um, another pick I really liked was uh, a second round pick um, to your Milwaukee Bucks. So everyone can drink up at home because Des is about to talk about the Bucks, but Sterling Brown. <laughs> um, the more I... The more I read about this guy the more I like him does
1: yeah it's sort of one of those picks right where it was uh you know um you'd be hard pressed to find a draft board or or pundit that didn't call him the steal of the draft or the sleeper of the draft or top five second rounders he pretty much made every single one of those you know those sort of things whether it's bleacher report or the vertical or the ringer all raved about him but the the thing that jumped out of me, right? He's he's your classic three and D. I mean, to the to, to the T. Um, mm-hmm. He he shot forty five percent over his career, a four year four year NCAA career from three point land. That's your that's a marksman, right? It wasn't a one off, you know, on fifty attempts. He shot forty five percent from three for his career. So he's a knockdown shooter, um, and uh, yeah, a really hard nosed hard nosed defender. So anyone who saw SMU play knew that their their whole team was like this hydra of six foot six and six foot seven guys who just switched everything. So very bucks sort of pick, um, with uh, you know with with Snell and Middleton and dare I say it could even be a bit of insurance if Tony Snell, the restricted free agent, if the price goes really high on him and they decide that they don't have the the, the, the Dosh to match an offer on Snell, I think you'd see Sterling Brown get a chance to play some real rotation minutes, so yeah, really nice pick, and I think the, for them there, it was the uh, Brown Ike Igbogu, who I think a lot of people thought were going to go mid-first round, dropped all the way down to to 47 just after that, and then Sendarius went 48, so it was a interesting sort of little run of players there in that part of the draft, kind of Big names, if you will, big name sort of players going in that in that sort of spot. So, yeah, Sterling seemed to get a lot of a lot of praise from all over the Twitterverse.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the Bucks they they understand the DNA you know, of this team. there. they know they've got a clear plan of what they're doing and what they're building. And I think that's what's been missing in Orlando. I mean, you look back, Orlando were probably in a better position roster construction wise than what uh, Milwaukee were, what say three four years ago, but Milwaukee, now they lucked into Giannis, I don't think they realised just how good he was going to be when they drafted him, but I think they. you can still definitely say they had a vision for the sort of roster that they wanted to build and the sort of basketball that they wanted to play, and John Hammond Need some credit for that, and so does Jason Kidd. But you're now seeing, and even with their first round pick, DJ Wilson, that's the type of players um, that they're sort of putting in guys that can either do the three and D sort of stuff that we are seeing from Tony Snell, but also guys that can attack the rim with real philosophy, uh, ferocity. Uh, yeah,
1: it's a, it's. I'm I'm excited. You know, I don't know. Wilson's got his got his flaws, but boy it's interesting that the more the story of the Bucks draft was a little bit like the Kings were given the, you know, the, the clusterfuck that was their GM GM search um, to say that John Horst has continued on the, you know, he grew up under John Hammond in Detroit and then came over to Milwaukee where he's been for a long time. So this felt like a John Hammond fingerprint draft all the way. He stayed with that sort of approach. So he could probably, what I kind of liked about the Bucks in general is that, with the, literally, he's been GM for four days or five days before the draft. Fucking very hard position to come into, but he'd done his homework and must have been very, very well prepared. And you know, he got a, these giant players that'll fit right in with what kid kid already has. And so, man, they're gonna be long. That's gonna be again if you think about it, if they could ever develop enough offensive skill, it'd be fun watching them defend you know, defend the Warriors and defend Houston this year. I almost wish they were in the West to see if they what this team is really made of. But they've got some serious defensive upside. So Yeah, I'll... I think I liked I liked what they did.
0: When they play the Cavs Warriors, I think it's just much watch must watch basketball because the clash of styles, and this is what I'm loving about this, this era of yeah. NBA, and that's what we didn't see in the finals, that was what really disappointed me, it was basically two teams trying to play the same way and one yeah. team did it a lot better Right? Yeah. when you see the Spurs Warriors, Spurs Cavs Bucks Warriors, Bucks Cavs and even Bucks Spurs are, were good games last year.
1: Or even Raptors. If the Raptors could find their mojo again. Yeah, the Raptors play that style, don't they?
0: Exactly. There's a clash of styles there. And you say, right, now this is going to be fascinating basketball because now we're going to see, can these guys deal with uh, the length and athleticism and just relentless? We're going to attack that rim every single time we come down the court. And then when you solve that problem, now we're going to surround the court with shooters and you've got a problem at the three-point line. Uh, I yeah. love it. I think I love what Milwaukee's doing there, and I love that their draft sort of played into that um, as well. Uh, another pick that there's, there was another pick that I really did like, but it's going to take a few years. Just watch a watch a guy called Hartenstein um, from Germany that the Rockets picked as a draft and stash. Um, Read a bit about it. What I read about him was he was sort of rated by a number of people as the best draft and stash candidate. So he was a guy that fell to them down there. They don't really need any help at the moment. We'll talk about them a little bit more in the free agency section of the pod in a minute. Uh, But that was another one that sort of jumped out to me. Um, And then then Obi was a guy we've mentioned a couple of times. The the Raptors took him. Did you like that pick?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good fit for the Raptors. He doesn't have to play right away. He can, I guess, and, and depending if they re-sign P.J. Tucker, he might get, if he's healthy, um, he could come into a bit of that, you know, 10 minutes a game, play some hard-nosed defense sort of thing. So that's a nice fit for Ananobi, I think. Um, so good pick. Good pick for Toronto. I like that one. Yeah. Um, can I pick on one I didn't like? Yeah. What the fuck's Indiana doing?
0: <laughs> well, like, they, they've been looking for a... A replacement for a number of years for Roy Hibbert, they found it in the second round with oh, <laughs> Anabogu, <laughs> who has. Oh, a,
1: I think right. they get there. They got Anabogu. I like you him.
0: can't knock that pick, but he has got a degenerative uh, knee issue apparently at eighteen. That that's got to be a worry.
1: That's a um, worry, but no, I was talking about their their pick in the first round. Like, just talking about where the NBA is going, we're kind of raving about you know where these teams are headed, and I, I actually really liked the. You know, again, tip your hat to the Clippers for getting back in the draft and getting two, you know, really interesting second-round picks to put in their backcourt and finally inject some youth. You know, so I like what the Clippers did, getting Jawan
0: Evans. That oh, I love what the Clippers light- did. Yeah,
1: yeah, Lightning Bug, and then you know, the man among boys of Cindarius, and getting the Bucks to sell that number forty-eight to them. So Thornwell, the defensive lockdown dude, to kind of like cut Luke Richard and then get. Um, you know, what's his name, Juance. I love what the Clippers did, but I just wanted to pick on Indiana. I mean, considering where the NBA is going and Clippers did well and the Kings got their things and then Indiana goes and drafts an under-the-rim, back-to-the-back, white post player with number 18. I go, what? Could you think of a worse fit for T.J. Leaf? You know, so sitting him next to Miles Turner, clogging the lane, Shooting layups, getting, getting rejected by, you know, by, by Thon and Tristan Thompson. I just hated, I hated that pick.
0: Um, oh, I think their hope is he will be able to stretch his game out and eventually be a, oh, <laughs> a Spencer Hawes. Maybe I'm not sure, you know. But I think that that's the hope for them is is that he'll be able to sort of stretch the floor out. Miles, Miles Turner's already got a little bit of range to his games, yeah. and now you got two big guys. And the, the problem for the, oh. the teams picking in that range was, um, and I mean, you know, it, it sort of started after Justin Jackson, and even the sort of Miami went for Bam Adebayo. Who you know? I've heard mixed reports about that pick. I actually didn't mind it. I thought you've pretty much got a backup there for Hassan Whiteside. So if he goes off the rails again, you want to trade him? Well, there's a guy that could potentially come in for him. Oh, um, not you got, sure if you that want was their thinking or not.
1: I don't know, but he, I, I'd heard, I've now read afterwards. I'd thought I sort of fallen in love with Bam watching his strengths video and his his body. Right, talk about an NBA body. Mm. That guy has an NBA body. What a man frame! So, um, well, I they were saying
0: at what... all the combines and the workouts, and particularly coming through the high school when they were a bit younger. Yeah. This class, they yeah. said the one guy no one wanted to go up against was Bam Adebayo. So, yeah, um, I think yeah, I, I think he could develop quite well there in Miami Undisposed system. But I, yeah. I think the thing after Justin Jackson went, you had that sort of 16, 17, 18, 19... That was when we were getting into now these big guys that no one knows what to do with, you know, the John Collins who, you know, three years ago would have been um, a lottery pick, like a high-end lottery pick, given yeah. his offensive skill set down low. And I think a lot of those teams were just like, well, you know, we're not, we don't, we're I not was, really in love with any of those dra- guards that are still on the board. You know, we're well, rich for a Derek White or a Josh yeah. Hart. So we're going to go for these big guys. And going... I was
1: wrong. I thought for sure they'd be sliding. I thought between Allen and Pajenkis and Swanigan and Bradley and that lot, uh, I thought they were all going to slide. And you'd find, you know, Jackson and Hart and Frank Mason actually getting taken ahead of them and Ojala. So I was wrong. So I, I don't know who will be right. But I was surprised, yeah, that they all went the way they did. Mm. Uh, but just back on just a, on back on Indiana, I go, why wouldn't? I mean, four picks later, five picks later goes Ananobi, you know, super athlete. Yeah, he's coming off a knee, but, man, super athlete, you know, went to Indiana. Um, you know, I just thought, what uh, he's got a lot of upside. I just don't see the upside for a TJ Leaf.
0: Oh, everything but, I've heard about this draft, that guy I think is going in that boom, one of the top five players in this draft. He and could. has a shot to be the best. He's, yeah, he's he the Kawhi Leonard of this draft.
1: He could, yep. Could very well be. So um yep. yeah, we'll see if he can stay. He's just he's the full package, right? Ananobi. So um yeah, so I just hated I didn't I didn't understand what Indiana was doing. Portland confused me. Um guess a couple of the things that stood out. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Adibio. That was you know, I think that was kind of the Thon Maker equivalent pick of last year. It was like, holy shit, guy went twenty picks higher than I think a lot of mocks had him placed. Um, although he was creeping up draft boards, um, uh, one quick peek back to the lottery. I love Dennis Smith in, in Dallas. I can't remember the last time the Mavericks drafted a player like that. Um, I, maybe never. So <laughs> it'd be kind of be fun for for um, you know f- fun for Dirk to not have JJ Barea or Roddy Bubba or you know Josh you know Howard or whatever tread they've been throwing at point Well, cards. look,
0: I've heard a lot of people say Dennis Smith could end up being the best player in this draft class. So there's a lot of people that, that, that of the, all the mocks sort of the draft stuff that I read yeah. that were very high on this guy. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was a great pick for, for Dallas and certainly feel the need for them because you know, now Yogi Ferrell can come off the bench a piece of the instant offense for you laugh but yogi played well last year he did did. um so the other player a couple of final two players i want to mention is frank jackson um you're going to hear from him next year he's just going to have to play i think at new orleans um not a bad pick for them they made a trade to sort of move up and grab him um so that addresses at least some of the backcourt issues that they have um at that at that club, they you'd imagine they're hoping to re-sign Drew Holliday. Um, Frank Jackson, what I understand, is nominally a point guard, but can play the shooting guard as well, so we may see him flat between both. Um, and my San Antonio Spurs took Derek White, a point guard, another guy that can sort of go between point guard and shooting guard in need. Um, I thought it was an interesting one to take an older guy that can... Or, Older guy, Gee, what do we say? Twenty-two, twenty-two year old, but the old yep. rookie um, that can probably play uh, on opening night, and what what that means for their free agency plans. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure it's not going to ward them off anyone else. But I, I personally, I would have preferred to see the Spurs go with Josh Hart or um, Jordan Bell. Was really Jordan Bell was really the guy I wanted for the Spurs, and uh, so when the when the Warriors. Uh, swooped in and got him. Um, it wasn't the best moment of the draft for me, I can assure you. But Derek White, from what I understand of him, look, looks like a good solid player, high high basketball IQ. Um, so I'm sure he'll fit right in at the Spurs um, in the sea And maybe you know, Dejounte Murray. I've heard him thrown around trade rumours. Um, maybe he's part of some sort of package as well, and and that's back up for that. So I'm sure they have a plan. Um, the Spurs always do, but. Uh, it, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how we look back on that that pick um, in a year or so's time. But and before we move on the free agents, any other players that jump there that you wanted to or, or pick up on any comments I've just made there?
1: Yep, I like Derek White. I think he's your um, Patty Mills is gone. Then I think yeah, I think yeah. that's where Derek White is a little more of a spot up shooter. Where Josh Hart's off the bounce. So so Derek White, really good shooter from outside. I think you'll um, yeah, I think you're right. I think he'll get some playing time and. Uh, who doesn't develop in San Antonio? So it's hard not to like that. Um, the only other player that uh, jumped out at me was the um, a guy I really liked. His game was the other kid from SMU, which is Semi ogelet who went uh, went to Boston. So he, and a lot of people compared him to the mostly because of his body. He's a stick, not super athletic, but just a, again a wall of muscle. And has this beautiful, beautiful, repeatable. Jumper, I was calling it a little bit Kawhi-like in its repeatability. It's beautiful mechanics. He went to Boston, so he's very Jay Crowder-like and can you know, learn perfectly there. So I really liked, actually, Boston's pick there, Um getting Ojale, 22, 23-year-old guy, mm. um physical, physical specimen. Um Yeah, I, I think he's just – uh he, I, for me, he might be the – he could also be the Kawhi of this draft. He doesn't have the athleticism, so – The ceiling won't be that high, but um, I think you watch. He could be a... Well, the problem for him is,
0: how's he going to get minutes next year in that team?
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see. He'll probably get packaged, I guess, won't he? um, I can't wait
0: to see the first game between Josh Jackson and Jason Tatum because I think Josh Jackson was legitimately pissed that he went number four, and I think he might take it out on Tatum when those two teams meet.
1: Yeah, good. He plays with a a bit of an edge anyway. Doesn't
0: he? Yeah. yeah look, and I, I like the fit from both teams. I mean, I think um, the Cel- I mean, look, the Celtics need rebounding, but they weren't going to find it that spot in the draft anyway. Um, so Tame's a nice scorer. Um, Jackson, I, I, I like the fit for Jackson in um, Phoenix. And Giobbi, aren't they building a, an athletic lineup now with Marcus, Chris, and Jackson um, as part of that front court with its more forward and power forward.
1: I love that pick for Phoenix, but it was a, that was a hard pick to screw up. It was the only choice, so I love that. But Tatum makes a lot of sense for Boston. He just fits the Boston profile. The you know that sort of yeah, a little more mature character um, than than Josh Jackson. A little bit less volatile, more of a more of a Stevens guy. So um, I think both teams would be happy with that where they got.
0: Yep. So. Let's talk free agency now. The Boston Celtics will be one of the the big players in free agency. Um, I'm hearing uh, the first player I wanted to sort of talk about because I would heard that him linked to Boston is Blake Griffin. Um, should the sell? I mean, I don't get that from the Celtics' point of view. But what, what if you're Danny Age, you can sign Blake Griffin. I mean, what what free agent would you be targeting if you? Is Gordon Haywood the number one for them, or do you think Blake Griffin comes in ahead of that? Well...
1: It's a little bit um a little bit like predicting San Antonio versus Houston, to be honest. I have no fucking idea what Danny Age is doing. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I didn't believe he'd trade down. I didn't I, I I I have no idea. I thought he'd go after Jimmy Butler. Um I I refuse to believe that Boston couldn't put in a a package as attractive as a ripped ACL. Um Zach Levine and Chris Fucking done. I refuse to believe they couldn't have done that. So I don't know what what's happened there. Well, I think I, Zach I
0: Lowe got it, hit at the nail on the head. He said they just didn't want him, or didn't want, didn't want him, want him bad him. enough. Put it that way. Boston didn't want him. Is that didn't what you're want saying? him bad enough. Yeah.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But I guess when you ask, maybe. Um, so I, I have a I have a hard time. I guess predict, harder time predicting free agency with Boston because I just don't know where they're headed. They have an enormous amount of, you know, cap flexibility. They've probably got thirty million to almost thirty million in space, um, and they probably they have a lot of players who are these nice, nice players that we talked about in the playoffs. A whole bunch of nice, good players, but none of them really superstar level. So, but I think the Bradley Zellers. Um, Jay Crowder's all in these really great contracts. Marcus Smart's really cheap. All kinds of players who are cheap and really nice that are going to be attractive. So I think whether it's, I'm probably thinking there, it'd probably be something like a Hayward and then packaging some players to get, because they're just going to have enough roster spots, right? They're going to have to. I think the trade market's going to be ripe for them. That's why I didn't think, I can't believe they didn't want Butler. Um, and they have to clear mm-hmm. some space. They're going to have they've to... They've got be. to
0: get rid of some of these players. They just they have do. to. They do. They have to. Well, they've Especially got some though, guys they were going to bring over from overseas this year. They can't do it now. They haven't got the roster spots. Yeah.
1: Obasele wasn't a yeah, the couple
0: they drafted a, a couple of years ago. That's right. Mm, that's right. So, so um, they need to, And I, I just think Griffin and Horford, I don't see sort the of fit there. I, I, I think they're totally redundant between one, one another. At this point in their career, you wouldn't have said that a couple of years ago, but Blake Griffin's lost a lot of his athleticism and he's now very much a guy that's just going to do the, to the Al Horford I'm going to stand in, and, and Horford may even be a better player at this point in his career. Um, well, Horford's
1: a better passer that's for sure, although um, uh, this will sound insulting to Blake but Blake is almost on a uh, Zach Randolph trajectory. If he loses, exposed to that, but he's still He's got a nice touch, doesn't he? And he can, he can play some high posts still. But I agree, he tends to be more of a redundant style. I don't think that's a fit. And if he, why is Boston suddenly going to pay you know, $150 million for a guy who's had a lot of injury history? That'd be a very anti-Boston sort of move, right? Um, they want they want these sort of rock type of players like Horford and, and Tatum. Um, and, and it Marcus wouldn't surprise
0: Smart. me. As much as we we criticized him, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up in New York. Because, and the only reason I say that is, I think the market for Blake Griffin's going to be pretty cool. I don't I don't see a big clamouring to sign Blake Griffin if people have seen the way his game has deteriorated and the injuries that he's continually gotten gotten um, in the last couple of years. Some have quite literally self inflicted. But um, he he's been a guy who just can't stay on the court. And even when he's on the court, you, you you've got to not like what you're seeing.
1: Yeah, there'll be a market, I and mean, he's not going to struggle for work. That's for sure. But um, I guess it was he ready in his career to um, be this close, right? And have so many things go wrong in LA in the playoffs and be playing with multiple All Stars on his team with you know with Paul and um, DeAndre and even Reddick borderline all-star is he ready to put his career in the shitter and going to play for New York and just taking the money I don't know I don't know if he's ready for that he doesn't seem like the type who's ready to resign himself to just taking money and disappearing Um, but there'll be there'll be a market It could be
0: be a Sam Bowie situation where he knows where his body's at and and he's not letting anyone know
1: well I guess (laughs) anything's possible that's true, but he still played. You know, he still played thirty-five minutes a game. Granted, only played he played sixty games last year, maybe.
0: Yeah, and then yeah. broke down again, and then as a, you know, just not getting his points around the basket, getting further and further away. Um, I just don't. This is not a guy I don't. I think that's going to age well. Um, look, overall, I think I guess my prediction is there's, there's every chance he's back in LA anyway. Um, but mate what's the first domino to fall there in LA are they going to see what chris paul does first or are they going to do it simultaneously is griffin the first guy to sign here, do you think that's going to play out
1: well chris paul has just opted out right so you have to believe he's he's going to be the first one he'll be the biggest cap hit um he'll get that that crazy big contract so i think i think he's the first domino and well, I think we already know that at the same time Reddick is gone, and the big question mark, what's hard to talk about, it's hard to guess now, is it? If well, where is Jerry West going to steer the franchise? Right. Um, so if Chris Paul is your anchor, and you haven't been able to win with 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 the core, my gut tells me he. I think Jerry West is going to let Blake go. And go in a different direction, and I'd have to think a lot harder about who might fill, you know, fill the minutes and fill the scoring load. But if he can still build around Paul and DeAndre, um, my my gut tells me they they go in a different direction. I don't know what direction that is, but I have a feeling they're going to move on. Well,
0: I if think you had any one, any assets at all, and you'd be looking to get on the Paul George discussions, but they've just got no assets.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. He's more likely to join free agency next year anyway. Mm. He wants to come back to LA. Well, but
0: he said the Lakers. So if you, if you all want the inside running, bring him to LA and sell him on the Clippers rather than the Lakers.
1: That's what, I'm, that's what I've been saying. Like, yeah, I hear Lakers, but come on. Paul George isn't going to go play for a 27-win team. That just ain't happening. And it's not well,
0: happen. that's, and that, that's the thing about the Lakers. I mean, you look at it, and um, what are they going to have? They're going to have Long Ingram. Yeah. Um, Lopez is a one and done there. You would imagine, uh, so it's going to be Paul George and a bunch of kids and uh, and and, Le- and people expect LeBron's going to look at that and go, oh, there's there's a place I can go to, um, and win a title. It's like no, I don't I don't think so. So I think the Clippers would make make more sense, um, from a LeBron point of view, and certainly from a Paul George point of view as well. But then again, maybe he's a diehard Lakers fan or something and doesn't like the Clippers. I haven't sort of heard anything to the contrary but who knows
1: yeah that was mark stein saying the um he's blake blake is most likely to go he's the most likely to leave i think jerry west lets him go and i don't know so where's the
0: good fit for him let's look at it from a basketball point of view where where would you like to see blake griffin honestly Mm.
1: houston Go.
0: Well, no. What are Houston doing? I don't like. No, I don't. I don't like what Houston are doing at all. That this, we're clearing cap space, to sign a big free agent. They they weren't that far away last year. Is this is this, there,
1: is this Daz <laughs> on, the, on
0: the other line? Well, we what? sat here. We both sat here. Two two against the Spurs. We said, oh, I'm not sure which way Correct. this series is right. going. Now, D'Antoni. Rubbernecked it as he always does against Popovich. Okay, and then but at the end of the day, if they just tweak with their bench, obviously you're hoping that Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams play better in the playoffs and that Harden doesn't wear down. You learn some of the lessons from this year, but who knows how they go against Golden State if they're 100% healthy um, and playing their style. They never got to see it. Because um, they didn't get through that, I don't understand the panic in Houston that we've got to blow this whole thing up and try and get a star to pair with James Harden.
1: Well, I don't know if <laughs> it's blowing up. I think they're just trying to they're trying to assemble the.
0: Well, uh, they're prop, talking prop, about perfect... Patrick Beverly's got to go. Uh, they're looking at they're shopping Ryan Anderson. They're shopping Eric Gordon. It's like these guys all had good years. Okay, they didn't play very well in games five and six against San Antonio. But I don't. I don't think you you, you make massive moves. Like that. And I where does what's what's well, the roster construction look like? I suppose if Blake well, Griffin comes in, what's your thinking about that roster construction?
1: Well, it's less about roster. Const- well, it is roster construction, but what that tells me is, are, does that mean they're going to signal a, a different style of play? Does that mean they're going to? Are they actually well, giving up their their dedication to three three pointers, layups, and um. In free throws because blake two years ago was a dunking machine right so he's your pnr guy who, you know rim runner lob you know lob finisher but he's got more of a mid-range game and all that and that's where i go is that where
0: well and who's who? Going? there's one team that just hates shooting the mid-range and that's, that's right. the houston rockets and that's, that's what right. okc and san antonio the stories coming out of there in the playoffs were that uh, Houston was much much easier to defend because you knew they were only going to take layups and three pointers. Hence the D'Antoni stubbornness um, in that game. So bringing Blake Griffin in to the D'Antoni system. Look, if they're going to change it and they're going to try and change things up, maybe they'll work. I just can't see it. Mike D'Antoni hasn't changed in this long. I can't no. see him doing it doing it now. Yeah. So I guess you're
1: asking word, I'd like like to grow? So I'm saying I'd like him to. Ant- land someplace like that where he's closer to competing you know for western conference finals but maybe he decides maybe he's you know in a different way to katie just so exhausted of losing maybe he goes east maybe that's where you know a fit with the heat might make sense
0: well that's what i like i mean the fine point i make on houston is that, like Patrick Beverly is on the perfect team. He's perfect for that team. Ryan Anderson is perfect for that team. Eric Gordon's perfect for that team. I just wouldn't be making major changes to what they've done um, last season based on the way they flamed out in the past. Well, they... the,
1: the question they're asking is, you're. It's fair, and I don't. And I, don't I don't think there's much risk. Tony will do that, but they're 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 asking what's missing. Well, how do we? How do we compete well, with Golden State? That's and that's where I don't know how they're going to answer Here's the that
0: thing, Chris. Patrick Beverly is better on that team than Chris Paul is on that team, because what, Chris Paul becomes redundant because you want the ball in James Harden's hands. You don't want another guy there that needs the ball in his hands. And is Chris Paul a better defender than Patrick Beverly? I'm not convinced that he is.
1: Well, he's better at a lot of things, but he'd be a bit neutralized if you got him running off screens.
0: Exactly. You're asking right. him to be a spot-up shooter. Now you, it's might like... well sign,
1: you might as well sign JJ Reddick instead of Chris Paul.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I don't understand that they're really he- hot and heavy for Chris Paul either. But to the Blake Griffin point, I agree 100%. Why some of these um, free agents aren't looking to flee to the East where there's literally two alpha dog players now and three if you want to count them in that discussion. But you've really got LeBron, you've got Giannis. I mean, you've got, look at Toronto. Toronto, to me, are the second best team in that division. Their best player came out after the playoffs, and we discussed this last week, and admitted we cannot beat LeBron James, right? Yeah. So now you know there's a vacuum there. Boston have made, have made it clear from their front office at least they don't believe they can beat them. I think Washington's still a fair way away, even though John Wall probably... I guess you could include John Wall in that discussion. He, he certainly had, would have no fear about taking on Cleveland. Um, so, but to me, you look at that conference and you go, "Yanis doesn't have the, the supporting cast at the moment. They're probably two years away at least.
1: They don't have the cap space anyway to do anything this summer. so they. That's can't right. So they're
0: not going to be making major moves. They, they will improve on what they did last year, but they're not going to be making major moves. Why not go to the East? You could find yourself in the East Conference Finals. LeBron, you know, tweaks a knee or something or some other injuries happen. The guy slows down a bit. And who knows where you're going to be. So I, I like to fit on him in Miami um, without a doubt.
1: As much as I think it's an absolute certainty that Minnesota makes a move, I think that's a certainty. I'm as certain that Miami will as well. I think those two are going to be some interesting players in the market. I, there's, I think you're right. There's someone, someone's going to. If Hayward doesn't land in Miami, I think Blake does. I think they're going to get a big name there. Um, and and move up in the East for sure. I still think Hayward. I don't know where Hayward would go. It still feels like 50-50 between Utah and Boston. I don't think Miami's a a player for for Hayward. So no, um,
0: I think um, everything I'm hearing is that Hayward will go to Utah, but. We'll wait and see, or stay in Utah, I should say. Yeah, um, but yeah. then again, look, there, there's a lot of teams saying they want to get into. It. We'll, we'll know, I guess. We've we've gone Who's he going to take meetings from? Um, when when the time when sort of July first hits, um, and obviously Chris Paul's already said he'll be meeting with the Rockets, the Nuggets, and the Spurs. Maybe other teams get involved in that as well, um, and we see Blake. But I, I think Miami. Um, would, and, and Miami have already expressed I believe some interest so um, they could very well have the inside running on Blake Griffin if um, if it's true that the, the Clippers don't re-sign him and he's not coming back um, unless the Lakers want to throw their hat in the ring <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it could happen. Um, happen. But no, I I don't see. As I said, I don't see the fit in Boston for him. And I think Miami, Miami won a lot of fans in for ads last year with the way, just the way they went about it, and people like going to really good organizations. And I think they are now on that San Antonio level where they're just. I think they're 1A and 1B in terms of just how well-run those organisations are, and that in and of itself at least gets you in the room with the top three agents, and I think that's going to consistently happen for Miami um, going forward.
1: Yeah, in terms of attractiveness to play, it's Miami 1 and New York 2. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. It's just talk, talk about study and contrast, right? Pat Riley in the stability and the things he's been able to do with Spolstra, the thing he's been able to do versus Phil Jackson, and the and poor poor Jeff Hornacek, the leader of the girl interrupted. So well, well I, I think
0: I think Phil Jackson that we'll look back on him and say, great coach, awful GM.
1: Maybe yep, psychopath.
0: Which look, I mean so, Michael Jordan, great great player, greatest player of all time, terrible owner. Huh? Let's not, let's not go back. No. no, more Phil. No more
1: Knicks. No more Bulls. Free agency. So, um,
0: any other, other free agency you're sort of looking at and fascinated by at the moment?
1: Um, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit curious about um, Bag of Donuts Lowry. If how how serious Toronto is about this conversation of changing the culture, you know, I think there's a lot of teams going to be after George Hill. A lot of teams I think so if Lowry imagine Lowry ends up in some place like Minnesota I think Toronto becomes a very attractive place for a player like a George Hill hmm. so I think it's more the what I'm looking at is this 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 domino effect of the point guards between Drew Holiday what's he gonna do will Minnesota move Ro- Rubio where does he land you know the next tier down but it speaks to a bit of need where does Derrick Rose go what does Toronto do with Lowry? Um, there's a lot. I think just the point guard market's going to be really interesting to to watch. So that's probably what um that's probably all I've got to add. We're only a few days away, so I think our next pod will be you know after the crazy day one day two.
0: Yeah, so the first pod will we'll sort of be waiting for some dominoes to fall. I imagine um, at that stage maybe Paul George be traded too. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so the next pod will be. Uh, just at the start of the madness that will be free agency, which starts on the weekend Perfect. here, I think Sunday here in Australian time. Uh, yeah. So it'll be refreshing the uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's Twitter all the time to see what sort of wage bombs get dropped. Um, and speaking,
1: uh, hey, speaking of Woj, did you realize that he was tweeting players before Adam Silver was? Yeah, no. Did you you know that? I
0: was following the official NBA draft, and then I just got on his Twitter, and I was like, he was was literally five minutes ahead of when the picks were announced.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like 30 seconds ahead. It was minutes ahead. Mm. No, I wasn't following lies. I didn't realize it, but I heard that after the fact, everyone just sort of...
0: I just started following Woj's... Um, and then a little bit like when Adam Silver hands off to the Deputy Commissioner, in the second round, Woj wasn't tweeting. He let one of the other uh, reporters at the uh, the vertical, and I apologize. I can't remember her name at this point, but um, she started tweeting. So I went off Woj's Twitter feed and went on to her Twitter feed. So she was doing <laughs> yeah. the same thing.
1: Well, yeah, Woj went for a hamburger. That's <laughs> right.
0: So, um, no, they did an unbelievable job. I mean, I, I listened to that. Um, full pod today, and it was just um, the information that came out of that was was fantastic. They they did so a great job. Bobby
1: Marks, Chris Mannix, and uh, Tom Crean, wasn't it? Mm. Crean was. I listened to parts of Crean was excellent. So, if anyone listening has a spare four hours and forty five minutes, was a really. I listened to about thirty minutes of it. I didn't have time for it, but it was a that was really interesting how they did it. That was really well done.
0: Mm. You're right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, Daz, we'll leave it there for today. Well, that's, that's a good two parter. We knew we'd probably on the on the two hour cusp tonight, so it was good that we could break it up. But uh, have a good week, mate, and uh, we'll we'll talk again right in the middle of the the frenzy madness next week.
1: That's going to be fun. Strap in, Daz. Yep. See you, bud.
0: Thanks, mate. All right. Goodbye. Bye.